It's about time I said a little bit more about the Roebling family that built and designed the bridge. The architect of the Brooklyn Bridge was John Roebling. The chief engineer who built most of the bridge was his son, Washington Roebling. John Roebling died in 1869. He suffered a horrible death from gangrene, which he contracted while doing surveying work for the bridge. He was at Fulton Ferry in Brooklyn when his foot was crushed between a piling and a ferry that was landing. In the pre-antibiotic age, gangrene was an infection that could not be cured. David McCullough describes John Roebling's illness and death in his brilliant book, The Great Bridge, which is the ultimate account of the building of the bridge. As the toxins overwhelmed Roebling's system, he began to have seizures. McCullough writes, All at once his body would lift off the bed and double backwards with a fierce, awful jerk. His every muscle clenched in violent contraction, sweat streaming from his body, but he made no sound, not even a groan, because during the spasm his whole chest wall was frozen hard. Some eight days later, Roebling died horribly. McCullough writes, About three in the morning, he had a convulsion so violent that he leapt clear from the bed and was caught in the arms of C.C. Martin, the assistant engineer. Within minutes, Roebling was dead. After his father's death, Washington Roebling became the chief engineer. Many people have also heard that Washington Roebling's wife, Emily, was the person who actually built the Brooklyn Bridge. When Washington Roebling later became ill, Emily did manage much of the business. But no, as a woman in that age, she was not an on-site manager. There were several very capable engineers who did this work. In particular, C.C. Martin, George McNulty, and E.F. Farrington. It was Farrington who made the first trip between the two towers of the Brooklyn Bridge. On August 25, 1876, Farrington boarded a small boatswain's chair and made the historic crossing. Soon after, the cable spinning began. For most of the construction, Washington Roebling was an invalid and bound to his house in Brooklyn Heights from where he oversaw the construction of the bridge. It's commonly believed that the reason for this was that he suffered from caisson disease, an excruciatingly painful disorder in which gases dissolved in the blood at high pressures are released back into the bloodstream at sea level and then collect in the joints and elsewhere. Roebling may have suffered from caisson disease too, but I had an interesting experience when I interviewed David McCullough some years ago for the Paris Review. McCullough described that he'd never been quite convinced by the explanations of Roebling's illness. There were certain details that didn't quite match the clinical description of the bends, or caisson disease. And then there's the fact that remarkably soon after the completion of the bridge, Roebling had a full recovery and lived a normal life. At a meeting of the Boston Psychoanalytical Society, to which he'd been invited to give a lecture, McCullough discussed his theory with several doctors and was confirmed in his suspicion that Roebling may actually have suffered from a morphine or laudanum addiction, perhaps as a result of having had a case of the bends, but which then became a disorder in its own right. That, coupled with the anxiety and stress of the project of the bridge, which had, after all, been his father's, not his own originally, and one for which no one ever really gave him full credit in his lifetime, seems to have contributed to the fact that Washington Roebling became an invalid during this period. <laughs>